WSN. Is BYU football a top five team in the Big 12 Conference? And is the Cougar defense much improved this year? What about Keaton Slovis? Is he a top 25 quarterback in college football? We'll tell you about these overreactions, or are they? And former BYU wide receiver Ross Oppo joins us to discuss Puka Nakua's success in the NFL and break down the BYU wide receivers so far this season. Plus, should the Big 12 really consider adding two more conference games to the basketball schedule next season? What? An Olympian and head coach of the number three ranked BYU men's cross country team at Ice Stones live in Studio B, and all Ed does is win. Amen to that. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, October 4th. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man who has marked his calendar for the next seven consecutive weeks of a football game each and every night, Dave McCann. This is a special day. This is football's answer to the Cubs not being in the playoffs. <laughs> 49 straight days of football. Tonight through November 22nd, yep. there's a football game every night. That doesn't count all the high school stuff in everyone's uh, various states. This is just what you can find on television. That's unbelievable. It's glorious. Yes. You we, know, thank the Mac and everyone else willing to play on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then everyone else Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, I know that Tuesday night has typically been maction yeah. uh, with the uh, the Mid American Conference, but who who chimed in and said we'll play on Wednesdays? Like who who's doing this? That's <laughs> it feels like a terrible time to play a football game is midweek. Some, something tells me we'll see Coastal Carolina. Yeah, on a it's Wednesday. Conference USA, by the way, yeah. but. Yeah, I, I can't believe these conferences. I guess they want the spotlight, right? It's TV. They want it's the spotlight. TV. And anymore in today's world with the transfer portal and NILs, the smaller schools just disappear on Saturday. So you got to find a day. You got to find a Tuesday, a Wednesday for anyone to actually pay attention. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Saturday it's Texas, Oklahoma. That's where everybody is. Yes. Uh, so you got to find a spot. The NFL's taken up, you know, Sunday and Sunday night and Monday night. And Thursday for uh, and, that matter. And Thursday for that matter. So you just gotta you gotta try to survive. So that's what they're doing. As a viewer, it's great. I hope everyone survives and hope we get football for we're gonna get it for 49 straight yes. days. Can't wait to watch Akron in Miami or Ohio <laughs> on Tuesday night. Sadly, <laughs> it'll probably be on at the house. All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. Trending presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. Well, 49 consecutive days of football, but BYU won't play another game for roughly 10 days until they head to TCU. We have a little bit of time to assess the Cougars' first five games, where they are this season, what they've done well, what they haven't done well, and then, frankly, discuss some things that we believe might be overreactions. We love to overreact. Four and one has a lot of people feeling good and naturally yeah. overreacting to the start of the season. Sure. So we're going to present a few statements and then ask straight up, is this an overreaction beginning with something that not, you know, was said it here necessarily in Studio B, but by the athletic, okay? Number 38 team in the 133 team rankings, according to the athletic, is BYU through week five. That would be good for fifth out of the Big 12 teams, Dave. Fifth out of the 14 current Big 12 teams. So is BYU being a top five team in the Big 12 right now? They're top five. Is that an overreaction? It's close. 
to being an overreaction. But I think the athletic and folks like the fact that BYU went on the road in the SEC and won and held off Cincinnati uh, and, and played Kansas close on the road when Kansas was at full power, which they were not against Texas uh, last Saturday. And so then I think they've got them up there. They've seen TCU struggle and some of the Big 12 teams like Oklahoma State. No one even knows what's going on with them. Man. So then all of a sudden, picked 11th by the Big 12 media to start the season. Up to five here at four and one with a chance to prove it uh, next Saturday against CCU. Yeah, why not? Okay, so you, you feel like that is fair. I think you can make a case for five, six, seven. Okay. Once you get up to four, you got to go, now wait a second. You've got to yeah. beat TCU. You've got to beat Texas Tech. And now all of a sudden, you're in that group. I've been just, and this is something that I've done, like an activity for myself, whatever. This is what we do in our offices, right? We think like, okay, okay, five weeks in, how would I rank all 14 teams yeah. in the Big 12? I saw your power rankings yeah. the other day. I put out a list uh, during the bye week because, again, there's extra time now. I have BYU at number seven, so not far off of number five. I have the Cougars just behind TCU, and maybe it's because even though TCU is – coming off of a loss to West Virginia at home and they lost to Colorado, I feel like the Horned Frogs are still a really good football team. And they're still the team that had a bunch of guys that played the college football playoff last year yeah. and got to the national championship game. Got blown out and said national championship, but still beat Michigan to get there. Different quarterback, they lost some NFL talent. I just, it's hard for me to be like, Yes, BYU is better than TC yeah. right now. And BYU needs to beat a legit Big 12 team. And they have an opportunity at TCU on October 14th to go out and prove that. And so, maybe that's five or six right there. Absolutely. Right. Now, if BYU beats TCU on the road, I'm ready to go there mentally and say, okay, BYU is a top five team in the Big 12 For right sure. now. Yes. For sure. And if I they think win America there, will too. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yes. In fact, I think BYU might be a top 25 team. They're not receiving any votes right now at four and one, but if you win at TCU and you're two and one in the conference and now you're five and one, then the receiving votes will start to happen. Maybe BYU is flirting with the top 25 at that point. And in my opinion, now it's absolutely not an overreaction that they are a top five team, but it's going to take a legit road win yeah. in conference like that. And it seems to me that you've got Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas State. They're still the big three. Yes. Um, but what we considered three through maybe eight, we thought would be a lot stronger in August. It's a free-for-all once you get past Kansas State. I mean, right there at number four would be West Virginia, and they were picked last. Um, so the, the shuffling, of, I mean, when Oklahoma State gets beat 33-7 to seven at yeah. home to South Alabama, you're like, okay, BYU finishes in Stillwater. Sure. Uh, unless Oklahoma State has this massive transformation that's a winnable game you know and then all of a sudden you start looking at some other ones tcu just got beat by west virginia in fort worth yeah are they colorado put up a ton of points on them is that a winnable game it absolutely is now whereas in august we might have gone okay let's see you got to get one of this and get get two of that how do we get to six maybe seven we're up to eight on this show uh and you know what eight's still very much in play after going Four and one. one. Absolutely. So it can't be an overreaction. But I think um, after the TCU game, we'll have some clarification yes. on our reaction. You know who already won at TCU in conference? West Virginia. Yeah. They just did it. And that's why I have West Virginia number five. So, for the record, I have Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas State, Kansas. BYU lost to Kansas. Right. You got to Lawrence. There. Yeah. yeah. I know Kansas just lost to Texas, but they weren't at full power. They didn't have their star quarterback. West Virginia number five. And then TCU 6, BYU 7. But if BYU wins in Fort Worth, then, yeah, they're right there with West Virginia at number 5 as a top 5 team. So 
maybe a little bit right now of an overreaction, but not far off. Yeah. And an opportunity to make it reality in about 10 days. Are you ready for the next Let's reaction? Go. Let's do it. BYU's defense is much improved this year from last year. Is this an overreaction? No, it is not an overreaction. And I know we showed numbers on the program yesterday. In fact, we're going to bring them up again here. And it, it, we look at the statistics here, and it's like, well, the defense was essentially doing the exact same thing through five games last year yeah. as BYU has done this year. But can we qualify the quality of wins that BYU has had this year in a different way than what BYU faced last year. BYU's best win last year through five games was a home win against what turned out to be a pretty mediocre Baylor team. Right. It was big in the moment. They were ninth, but they didn't finish ninth. No, they were very mediocre. And at Utah State and Wyoming and BYU didn't look very good in those home games. This year, BYU has a road SEC win against Arkansas, and they just beat what we think is a pretty talented Cincinnati team uh, on Friday night. Couple those with a, an okay performance at Kansas outside of giving up two defensive touchdowns, but that's not on the defense, Dave. Right. People are like, oh, 38 points. No, defense didn't give up two defensive touchdowns. That's just mistakes, unfortunate mistakes by the offense. So while the numbers are, are, are similar here, I feel like – there's an eye test element, is there not? Do you not feel like they're getting more pressure? They're getting to the quarterback. They're creating more havoc. They have created more turnovers in the first five games than they did last year. And that, to me, has won BYU a couple of games, specifically against Arkansas and Cincinnati. Here's how I see it. And I, I asked A.J. Von Pichon on the show yesterday this, this question because uh, we went through the numbers, and he wasn't here last year, but this is what we're comparing to. And there were 19 quarterback hurries last season. The whole season, 19 times we made the quarterback hurry, right? This year there's 16. Yeah, already. Five games. Already. So, so whether we're sacking the quarterback, uh, forcing turnovers, whatever we're doing, we're getting the quarterback to, to run yes. and have to improvise. There's more chaos. More chaos, and mistakes happen in the chaos. And so in that aspect, this defense is uh, way ahead of, of last year's defense. And the other thing I think about is, is through independence, through the first five games, you know, whether or not BYU held its own or not, they were in shambles health-wise for the most part going into game six. That's not the case here. We actually have a bye week where guys are getting healthy and coming back. Ben yeah. Bywater expected back. Yeah. Talon Alfrey expected back. Um, and, and the defense is doing this now, and they're getting reinforcements. That tells me this group is so much far ahead of last year's group yeah. Even though, as you mentioned, those numbers appear the same, they're going in a different direction uh, heading into a bye week. And I want to just look at what happened in October of 2022. Okay, we showed you through the first five games last year. October is where things absolutely fell apart for BYU. Well, it's Halloween ago. month. 37 points a game scoring defense. I mean, BYU got run by Arkansas at home. Yeah. They got absolutely embarrassed by Liberty in Lynchburg, Virginia. Mm -hmm. I was, I was rough. It was Notre a Dame. rough go. Notre Dame. Couldn't get off the field. No, the defense could not get off the field. So BYU, we anticipate, even though the competition level will go up in October, you're playing at TCU, you're hosting Texas Tech, and then you got to go to Austin and play number three Texas. And maybe, maybe they'll be number one by then. They could be. Yeah. But I still expect the defense to perform at a better level than we saw in October of last year. Yeah. Because to your point, they'll – they should be more healthy. And they're trending that way. They, should, not, they should have more bodies and experience available. Yeah. The peak wasn't week two. 
that the peak, maybe, maybe the peak is coming. Against Cincinnati, uh, they held their own when yeah. the offense couldn't do anything in the first half. And yet somehow the Bearcats had 10 points at halftime. Credit the defense. Um, their quarterback ran around, didn't score touchdowns. You know, two miraculous touchdown catches from Cincinnati got them in the end zone after BYU jumped out 28-13. But um, yeah, I just like the way they're trending and they're getting healthy. And the edge rushers, they're getting pressure. Sometimes they rush three and get pressure. Yeah. Look what they did to Arkansas's offensive line. Arkansas's not great, but it's a great test for BYU. And with four guys, they got pressure on the quarterback and caused chaos, caused them to hurry. Last year, we couldn't get pressure at all. And, uh, and that was half the problem. So Jay Hill's aggressive style, he sat right over there the day yeah. he was hired, and he told you, we're going to blitz on every play. And right. then he said, well, maybe we won't, yes. but we might. And they almost do. Well, maybe I should be a little bit fair here, because when we're showing the compare and contrast, BYU's only giving up 21 points a game through five games this year. They were 26.4 last year. Five points is huge. Yeah. Five points is a massive number. So that is, that is a, a significant difference in a per-game points given up average. 21. And, again, you take away the 14 points that were just given away by the BYU offense there, now Jay Hill's defense is holding opponents to under 20 a game. October's a perfect trick-or-treat month. We knock on the door, we're going to treat, we're going to get a trick, and at the end of the month, we'll know exactly where yes. this defense is. Yeah. So, no, it is not an overreaction. The defense is much improved from last year for sure, and we anticipate that trend will continue. Uh, side note, you brought up Talon Alfrey and Ben Bywater. Ben's questionable for the 14th. Talon, I'm learning from um, his family and, and some people in the Alfred camp that he's, he's circling later October. So I don't think we'll see him back for TCU, but your point still but remains about they are going to be back yeah. by, late, by late October, hopefully by that game in Austin at the latest. Yeah, we're going to need both those guys and okay. maybe 20 others. BYU's going to need Keaton Slovis to play well for sure, Dave. It, and right now, you know, according to – Certain award metrics, if you will, Keaton has been slated as an early guy as one of the top 25 quarterbacks in the country right now. Would you consider Keaton Slovis a top 25 college football quarterback right now? Is that an overreaction? I think it might be if you're just going on the numbers. If you're on the East Coast and you open up the book and you go, what, where's all the quarterbacks? Who's thrown the most? Who's done the, who scored the most points? You, Slovis might not be on that list. But if you're looking for who's managed the games the best as a quarterback um, and 10 touchdowns and three interceptions, two of those interceptions were tip balls, um, I think, uh, think you've got to put him there. And, I, and what I'm impressed with Slovis is when he's had to, uh, he makes NFL throws and, and he makes them in clutch time. He wiggles out of pressure. And that bomb to Roberts could have easily been a sack. Oh, man. Uh, the, the touchdown in the corner to Roberts against Arkansas was, uh, was made available by them just doing enough as they marched down the field so play action works. I just like how he's managed the game. Keaton's got a different situation than, than a lot of quarterbacks in the country in that he inherited a, a new offense as the new guy in the, in the transfer portal, um, and he's got – he doesn't have the guys he thought he was going to have with Hill and Epps because they've been slow coming back, and Epps hasn't been back sure. much at all. Uh, and so he's, he's also had to bring along newcomers, Lassiter and, and Marion. The running game, he loses his big running back in the first game uh, to an injury, and so now he's working a freshman. And he's doing all this, and he's 4-1. 
Yeah, there and, are a lot of moving so, parts there. You know there. what? That's my quarterback. I'm happy with Keaton Slovitz. He's been as, as good as advertised for what Kalani Sataki wanted was someone to lead them to an area where they've never been, where he has been, and life in, in the Power Fives. How many guys... Are, how many guys do you trust as much as Keaton Slovis out there? Ask yourself that, BYU fans. Are there, you know, 50 guys in the country that you trust more than Keaton Slovis? Just as a straight-up quarterback, where if he came in in April and you're like, okay, hey, here's your quarterback, he's the guy that's going to run your offense, you got to teach him, you got to get him acclimated. Are there 50 more guys in the country that you would trust more than essentially a 50-year senior who has – at one point in his life, been the Pac-12 freshman of the year and has been in a lot of different offenses, has gone through a lot of ups and downs, but he has matured, he has polished. So to me, like there is great value in the experience and the maturity that he brings to BYU. Hey, Jaron Hall had a separated shoulder this time last year. Slovis is healthy in the pocket and staying alive. And that's what BYU's that, got to That matters. So statistically, no, he's not a top 25 quarterback in the country right now. Right. Strictly like yards, completions, completion percentage, touchdowns. No. But with maturity and experience and what he's faced, you have to wait what all these quarterbacks have actually played against too. Yeah. Keen's been in some tough games, some tough situations, and he's winning more often than not. To me, the whole package, he is he belongs in that conversation. Yeah. And we'll have this conversation in November to see what he did in October. And he's either elevated himself to NFL capability yeah. after TCU, Texas Tech, and Texas, um, or or uh, or not, and and that's the beauty of the game. The one thing, the one thing that gl that's glaring against him is probably his completion percentage. It's under sixty percent. If he can push that up around sixty-five or sixty-six, now we're really talking, and I think that'll happen with becoming more comfortable in the offense. He's thrown some balls. That yes, spectacular. Bread basket. Yeah. Our question of the day. What is your biggest overreaction about BYU football through five games? We just listed three asking each other. BYU top five team in the Big 12. Is the defense much improved from last year? And is Caden Slovis a top 25 quarterback? Maybe one of those is your overreaction. At Thomas Westover answers on X. His biggest overreaction, BYU is going to finish fourth in the Big 12. That's if they do that day, they're going to the Alamo Bowl making some nice money for the school and the conference and playing a big-time opponent in a bowl game. Yeah. If they finish fourth, that, that means at worst, in my opinion, they win, they win eight games. At worst. They probably got to win nine, maybe, to finish fourth in the conference. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Take Douglas Porter on Facebook. BYU should be 5-0. and Not sure if that's overreacting. <laughs> you can make an argument that you protect the football, you're, you're undefeated. But you don't protect the football and you're four and one. Yeah. Fortunately, you protected the football in the other four games. This is tough because BYU had some things absolutely go their way and bounce their way at Arkansas. Yeah. And against Cincinnati, even. Like there were some breaks that BYU caught. They did not catch some of those breaks at Kansas. So I feel like four and one's pretty fair given how they've played. Right? Like, yes, it's tough because you're like, oh, they should be five and oh. Man, they caught some breaks in some other games that they won. Got to have them. Got to have breaks. Right? Zach they, needed a break Sunday night on that snap. Yes. And then all of a sudden, everything's different. BYU could be 5-0. and I, I'm not ready to say they should be 5-0, and given what we've seen. Like, all right. 
Weigh in on the hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll have some more of your colorful uh, overreactions here on the show. <laughs> hey, after further review was lit last night, we broke down the Cincinnati game, took an early look at TCU. The show's always on demand. You can watch it anytime on the free BYU TV app. Up next, Dave McCann goes one-on-one -on -one with former BYU wide receiver Ross Oppo to discuss the emergence of Puka Nakua, a man he has worked significantly with, and what does he think of the BYU wide receiver squad thus far? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. It's Oppo one more time. How big of a catch and run is that for Ross Oppo? Oppo, touchdown. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside the fabulous Dave McCann. How about those highlights from Ross Oppo? It's a yeah. fun walk down memory lane. Good to see. Ross knows receivers, and he knows how to beat Texas, and that's coming up later <laughs> in the month for the Cougars. He also has the beat on Puka Nakua, and earlier this morning, I caught up with Ross as Nakua continues to make waves in the NFL. Ross, let's start with the story of the NFL that does not have anything to do with Taylor Swift. It has everything to do with Puka Nakua tearing it up with the Rams. What do you think of his start? Oh man, his his start like you can't compare it to anything because he's pretty much just blown all the re the records out of the water and he's uh, starting to set his own history. Um, I think it's awesome if you know if you've seen the way Puka you know prepares um, through practice. If you've seen the obviously we've seen the way he plays. Um, he, he, that guy's like a hundred miles an hour um, and it, it, it's full speed. It's under control. I know those are two opposites. Um, and he he doesn't really make mistakes. And so, uh, like I was telling Ben the other day, it's like the NFL's having to adjust to his speed and he's not having to adjust to the NFL speed. And you know, it's been it's been awesome to see. But it's like like, like I said, if you watch the way that he practices, um, you you would see why. Um and, and the way the the stuff that you see him do in the games is exactly what he does in practice. And you know, these things aren't, they're not by accident. Um, he's prepared for those moments. And, um, you know, when, when you've prepared for those moments, there's never a moment that's too big. And uh, it, it's been awesome to see him break records and, and continue to make his own history at the same time. Now, you teach receivers, so I'm going to ask you about that in a moment. But let's say you're the Rams offensive coordinator and Cooper Cup's coming back. So how do you keep Puka in the mix? Oh man, <laughs> put those guys on the same side and 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 break them off, you know, they're um, onto their different routes. Um, you know, Puka can keep doing the same thing he's doing. Um, you know, I I feel like with Matthew Stafford, he he's gonna know what to do with those two guys. Um, if I'm the offensive coordinator, uh, you know, I just keep sending Puka underneath, um, get uh, get Cooper Cup over the top, um, and then they also have you know a, a really good receiver two two out well. Um, Van Jefferson also and it's just like the offense is going to open up more for for all three of those guys but you know I, I don't think you know Puka's role changes where they got to put him you know in different you know a different spot or have him run completely different routes I think you know just just keep crossing him over the field and um, you know he's going to do his thing take defenders with him if not he's going to be open um, 
you know, and they bring Cooper Cup in and, and let him do what he's doing. I think it's just another weapon. Um, I don't see this as a bad thing for Puka at all. Well, I love to hear that because Puka's on my fantasy team. So that's, uh, that's going to be a key development <laughs> when, when Cup comes back. We've been talking about overreactions on the show today. Puka, Puka winning the national uh, or the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Is that a, is, would that be an overreaction? No, not at all. Um, I think I just seen RG3 last night he, or this morning, one of the two, he posted um, that he has him in his top five for um, MVPs of the NFL. And it's like, um, I, I tweeted the other day, when, when do we start the Pro Bowl votes? And it's just like the way that he's balling right now is um, that, that, kind of, uh, that kind of says it all for him. Um, I, I don't think that's an overreaction at all, honestly. Let's bring this back to Provo. Is Chase Roberts the next Puka Nakua? Well, he's sure playing like it in this last game. You know, I, we, the ball that came across the middle, I think in the in the third uh, third or fourth quarter, um, not across the middle, uh, across the left hash, and you know Chase comes and catches it and outruns the defense. Um, you know, those those are plays that reminded us of Puka. Um, it, it's going to take a lot <laughs> to to play at that level, but. You know, Chase, Chase has stepped it up and, and showed that uh, he, he's the top receiver on this team for a reason. Yeah, and just a sophomore. A uh, number of guys still waiting for Cody Epps to come back. Keanu Hill has uh, gotten healthy. He's starting to get more. There's Darius Lassiter and Keelan Marion. What do you think about this receiver group as a whole? I think the receiver group is solid. Um, you know, those guys, when they when they get the ball to, thrown to them, they they make these plays happen. And it's only gotten better and better as the games have went on. Um, and, and I can only imagine it's going to continue to get better, even with the, the schedule becoming a little bit stronger. Um, in, in an offense, the the chemistry, the trust is is huge. And it's like this was the first time they all got to go get on the field at the same time with Slovis. So, um, you know, they, they've had some games to to kind of get that chemistry going, right, get everything gelling. Um, it's just going to continue to get better and better. And the guys, as long as, you know, as long as they stay engaged um, and just know when the ball comes to me, just got to make a play, nothing more, nothing less. Ross Oppo with us on BYU Sports Nation here in the bye week. Cougars are 4-1. and one. The schedule's about to get a little tougher. What do you anticipate the rest of the way? Um, I, I think they'll get three more wins. Um, and, and I think that that's awesome. Um, you know, finishing the season seven and seven and five. That's awesome. Um, if they could, you know, squeak out an extra win and, and take it eight and four, that'll be even better. Um, because I think four and one at this point um, exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Um, but, you know, BYU, they, it, it, it's funny, BYU always does it in this fashion where, you know, they're, they're winning games that we're like, oh, I didn't know we were going to win that game. And, you know, close games are, you know, the ones that we're like, oh, we should have we should have won that. Um, but I think as long as teams keep looking past BYU, um, they're going to surprise them. And and seven and five, eight and four, um, that 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 seems like uh, that'd be a good finish for those guys. As an athlete from Texas, grew up in Arlington, uh, with TCU, Texas Tech, and Texas, the slate here in October. Uh, what are we going to know about this football team after this uh, Texas three-step, so to speak? Um. You're, you're definitely going to see uh, the greediness of these guys. Uh, that That's just tough having to go in and, and play, you know, three Texas teams. Um, it, it, the guys in Texas and Keanu will also tell you, they're, they're just like, 
born and bred to play football. Um, you know, for them, you know, it, for, for, for us, right. Sundays, you know, church day, um, uh, for those guys, Sundays, like their recovery, you know, kind of get back into it. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is football again. And so, um, you know, as, as BYU makes it through the schedule, I think it's going to show a lot of toughness, a lot of grit. Um, and they're going to show that they belong in the Big 12. There are a lot of different joys in life. But you were on the field when BYU blew out in Texas down the street here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. How often do you think about the magnitude of that night? Um, man, I, I still have people that send me videos <laughs> of the games and, and look at the score. And, and so I, I have to think about it a lot uh, because I get it sent to me. And I, I think those those wins were were just awesome. Um, you know, obviously, I'll never forget the the teammates that I played with um, in those big moments. But yeah, the, the those those type of wins are, are the type of wins that um, you know attract the recruits to come to BYU. Um, those type of wins are are the wins that show you know teams like this current team that they can you know they can beat these guys. They're not unbeatable. Um, you just got to go out. You know, play play BYU ball. Just play as hard as you can, um, and 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 just keep fighting. You mentioned a moment ago, you're teaching receivers. Tell us what you're up to, and and how folks can uh, can get with you and participate that way. Um, so they could reach out through me um, to me through RossOppo.com or through Instagram, or sorry, not Instagram, uh, through Twitter. Um, they could shoot me a DM, RossOppo, W R underscore E Z. Um, and they can just shoot me a message from there um, and I can get them started with an assessment. Um, currently, I, I'm still working with guys in season, um, but this is the this is my favorite time because now I get to watch, you know, everybody's hard work that they put in through the summer, um, through the winter, uh, starts to pay off in season. One of our favorite BYU Texans, Ross Apo on Sports Nation. Thanks, Ross. Yeah, thank you for having me. Here's the thing about Ross Apo. He doesn't age. <laughs> that face is the same face he had when he was here catching passes at, at BYU. But I love his insights. Yes, and I love that he's still so involved with so many guys that yeah. play football at BYU, have played football at BYU. Really cool to see that story arc that he has. And, and now he's training guys that are helping BYU on the field. We got a pair of sevens at Southfield tomorrow night in a big soccer game. Huge. Seventh-ranked BYU, seventh-ranked Texas Tech. Yeah, they're tied in the coaches' poll. Red Raiders are holding down first place at the moment in the Big 12. You can watch the match live at 7 Eastern on ESPN Plus with our BYU TV crew providing the production. Local time, that's a 7 p.m. start, so that's 7 7 7. <laughs> and BYU just scored. Seven goals at Iowa State. Is that State. enough lucky sevens for everyone? Holy smokes. Up next, do we like the idea of BYU basketball playing even more Big 12 conference games? 20 conference games in the toughest conference in America? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live on a Wednesday. You can follow the show on social media for content throughout the day. Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Dave McCann. I am Spencer Linton. Shall we do some headlines? Let's do some. There's a lot to talk about. BYU quarterback Eden Slovis named to the top 25 watch list for the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award. Slovis has thrown for 1,240 yards and 10 touchdowns through five games for BYU, helping lead the Cougars to a 4-1 start. He's over 11,000 yards for his career. 
All right, there's that top 25 mark from Johnny Unitas and the Golden Arm Award. BYU women's soccer drops one spot in the United Soccer Coaches Poll into a tie at number seven after beating Texas on the road and then a home draw with Cincinnati and then beating up on Iowa State. The Cougars will face the other number seven team in the same United Soccer Coaches Poll, Texas Tech, when they host the Red Raiders at Southfield. Texas Tech unbeaten 11-0-2 coming to take on BYU in front of what's going to be a wildly raucous Southfield crowd. BYU's two Big 12 games at home ties. Time yeah. to snap that. I, it's time to get a home Big 12 win in that historic venue. Women's golf in a second at the Maryland Smith Sunflower Invitational yesterday, pacing the Cougars. Lila Galea finished tied for fourth. Lily McCauley finished sixth. That's a good team. Yeah, congratulations to both of those uh, young uh, women, I should say. Lila Nalia is a fantastic player. Senior Emily Assel and junior Bobo Huang set to compete at the ITA All-American Championships in North Carolina starting today. Did I get Galea wrong? It's so it's it's weird. It's kind of it's spelled G A L E A I. It's pronounced Naliai. Of course it is. <laughs> My bad. That's it this morning. The NCAA's Division One Council approved changes to the transfer windows in all sports from 60 days to 45. For football, the 45 days are broken into 30 days after the season, and then 15 days in the spring. They're going to try to just book in the chaos. Narrow it down a little bit. Why not? Good luck. <laughs> it's try to try to bring Pandora back into the box. The cattle are already out, man. Like it's it's going to be tough to regulate that sure. for sure. At least they're thinking about. Those it. are today's headlines. Now we whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. So the Big 12 considering moving from 18 to 20 conference games for basketball starting next season. Uh, when the Big 12 becomes a 16-team conference. Okay. Arizona and the other schools are coming in. This first reported by John Rothstein, who's always got his pulse on basketball. You like this idea? I don't mind it. I mean, you have a 16-team conference, and it's the greatest basketball college, or speaking of college basketball in America, yeah, you just add two more quality games. So, sure, it's people are going to... Piling on. Yeah. Just bring, teams uh, are going to beat up on Arizona each other. in there, yeah. It, it just it makes it that much more challenging, but you you're guaranteed two more quality wins. It just for me, if I'm a head basketball coach in this conference now, I'm just like, okay, well I'm taking away two quality uh, games in my non-conference yeah. so that I can gear up for 20 conference games. It's like everyone's moving away from fluff, the big schools anyway, the big leagues moving away from fluff and just playing eventually just P5s. You yeah, know, it's, that's kind of where we're moving, and it helps the RPI and. That, you know, that's why we're going to watch more often. You can go 7-13 and 13 in this conference if you win all of your non-conference games with some of the fluff and get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. That's how good the conference is. Yesterday, Georgia head coach Kirby Smart said, quote, I personally think every SEC team should be ranked. I can guarantee you there are some teams that don't want to play them that are ranked. End quote. Dave. Um, this is a ridiculous statement. How ridiculous of a statement is it, is what I'm asking. Well, Kirby's last name is Smart. <laughs> uh, so maybe that's, you know, I, I know that UNLV would love to play Vanderbilt again. Um, but, but the SEC is the best league, okay. 
There's a handful of teams that are better than, than the most. Although the top four teams in the Pac-12, or the top three anyway, could certainly make a case that, that uh, they could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the SEC's elite. But, I, but I, I believe that there's a giant group in the SEC that makes them the best, and then there is a handful of teams in the SEC that help the giant teams look better. Okay, uh, I can give you a few teams that absolutely should not be ranked, okay, in the SEC. Notably, Arkansas. They should not be ranked. They lost to BYU, for crying out loud, on their home field. Mississippi State is not good. Mississippi State is bad. Vanderbilt, not good. But what, what the heck? Ron Kirby. Yes. Kirby knows he's got to make that case because his Georgia team isn't as good as it used to be, and they're still number one, but they might have a to of, make a case. A lot of people think they don't deserve to be. To get into that playoff if they lose a game somewhere down the line. Joe Namath uh, was one that heavily criticized Zach Wilson um, publicly after the Jets start. Um, but then after the Chiefs, Zach played better, and then Joe Namath came back, and I listened to that rad uh, radio interview, and, and he said, you know what? Uh, he's changed his tune, <laughs> and he said he's played pretty darn good. And he knows the Jets aren't going to unload him, and he wants him to be successful. Um, can Zach legitimately lead the New York Jets to the playoffs? One, Joe, welcome back, along with much of the football I'm not world. sure Joe's back back, but Joe <laughs> did change his state. The narrative shift after one game has been hilarious yeah. in, in many ways. Um, I'm so happy for Zach. If he continues to play at that level, yeah, then he can lead the Jets to a playoff spot. It's a, the it's schedule's a tough about road. to get a little easier. Yes. You're one and three, but you've played one of the toughest schedules, if not the toughest schedule through the first works of the NFL season compared to any other team in the league. Okay, no one else has played the Cowboys, the Bills, and the Chiefs in the first four. And the Patriots aren't a trash team either. No. At least, at least on that Belichick day. has the Jets card, right? Yeah, he does. Can Zach get the Jets to nine wins in, in the playoff hunt? Yes. He can do that. Got to start this week. Got to beat Denver. Travis Kelsey, speaking of the Chiefs, shout out to all the Swifties, wore an 87 Kelsey BYU jersey on today's new episode of his New Heights podcast because he lost a bet with his Chiefs teammates. Porter Ellett, Matt, Matt Bushman, Bushman, Andy Reid was involved in there somewhere <laughs> due to the outcome of the BYU-Cincinnati game. Is this the best thing to come from BYU's win over Cincinnati? Listen, Kelsey's awesome. Anyone who's had him on, his fan, on their fantasy team knows that. This Taylor Swift thing has made him, like, larger <laughs> than life. So when he throws a BYU jersey on to his podcast with his brother, of course it's big news. This is huge. And, uh, and I think it's awesome. And shout out to Bushman and the guys yes. for holding their ground. Uh, the, ex the exposure is, is fantastic. So, yeah, he had to wear the jersey on his podcast. Great exposure for the University Royal Blue. Looks great on Travis. Uh, he jokingly said, yeah, Cincinnati won. Those guys would have had to drink a beer with me. <laughs> that so, was not going to happen. That was not going to happen. That was happen. not part of the bet. <laughs> Very funny. Up next, Olympian and BYU cross country and track and field head coach Ed Eyestone, legend in his own right. He joins us live in Studio B after the break to talk about, frankly, some of the best teams on campus right now. And I like that he's a fellow broadcaster. Look at him. He looks, so, he looks so professional. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Alongside Dave McCann, I'm Spencer Linton. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. We welcome in 
One of the legends of BYU athletics. He is an Olympian. He is the track and field and cross country head coach. Ed Eyestone is back in Studio B. Coach, always great to have you on the show. How are you? Great to be here. Thanks for bringing me in. Absolutely. Do you ever just take a jog around campus and, and think to yourself, I'm Ed Eyestone and, uh, <laughs> and, and BYU is so fortunate to have me here. Does Not that thought really. ever come Sometimes across? Sometimes I think I used to be Ed Eyestone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, certainly a different role than I was in 20, 30 years ago, but it is fun. It's great to be here. You know, who else could have not just four years of eligibility, but essentially I think I'm on my 28th year of eligibility with my 20 plus years of coaching yes. as well. So it's been very cool. When you sit and visit with recruits, and I joke that, that you'd run around and tell everyone you're, you're at Eyestone, they know you're at Eyestone and, and you're turning out national champions and potential Olympians and it your past matters to the future of these young athletes. Huh? Well, you know what, that used to be true, and the older I get, it's this, I'm an, I'm an old coach, but f uh, hopefully they yeah. can look at our record uh, that we've been able to accrue over the last 20 plus years in cross country and track and field and go, okay, uh, Ed Eyestone is, um, uh, you know, running the, the one of the powerhouse uh, programs uh, in the country, and I feel like our men's and women's programs certainly are that. Our track and field program was uh, given the men's program of the year last year, which is when you combine strength of cross country indoor and outdoor season so that's a huge win yeah. our women's team uh, won that two or three years ago so I think we're right there in the, in the mix and in the conversation and it's it's really fun for us no question you have built a legacy and I know a lot goes into that you've had a lot of fantastic people on your staff and I know Dilgeet's doing her yes. thing for yep. sure she is special it's fun to watch and it's fun to watch the benefits happen in perpetuity like you build this legacy and it's not like your runners are just awesome at BYU now BYU is like sending a ton of elite athletes into the runner's world and they're making waves in marathons and at the Olympics. And like, it's so fun to watch. Speaking of this Sunday, Connor Matson, Clayton Young, and you're headed there, are going to run in the Chicago Marathon. What's your role typically like for those guys that have moved on, but you're still their coach? Yeah, well, it's, it's awesome. Many of them have been able to uh, stick around in the area. And so if they do so and choose me as their coach, then I'm able to continue to work with them. Some have gone off and joined other groups and, and have done phenomenally well there. Rory Linkletter was uh, somebody who, and Nico Montañez both ran at the World Championships in yeah. the marathon this, this last year. Um, and then we have Connor Mance and Clayton Young who have stuck around and, and are, I think, a really fit, ready to roll. We're going to see some fun things out of them in Chicago this weekend at the Chicago Marathon. You're going to be working on the broadcast team for the yeah. marathon. We've done marathons together down in Vegas. First of all, you're a great coach. You're, you're a, an enlightening analyst because you've been there, done that. And now, now you'll see a couple of Cougars perhaps run past you during the show as well. So you got to text them. I don't know. you got to coach them. <laughs> Can and you coach them the while time. you broadcast? You know what? I'll see, I'll, see, I'll see them the morning of the race, <laughs> and then that's it. And then I, hopefully I'm going to see them on the TV screen and be able to talk about them. But, yeah, but yeah it's been fun. As, as my athletic career was winding up, winding down, and before I got the position at BYU, I, I started doing some broadcasting. Right. It was very fun. Uh, obviously, I only do a couple of gigs a year uh, uh, at this point because uh, my day job uh, keeps me pretty busy. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, I, one of those uh, one of those gigs uh, every year is, comes on an off weekend, and Chicago Marathon is one of them. And it just so happens that I have a couple of my phenomenal athletes that will be running there as well. And I, we have big hopes, big expectations for them because this is a crucial race for them uh, in kind of the qualifying procedure that is, uh, you know, hopefully running in the Olympics in Paris in 2024. Yeah. He was an All-American, multiple times at BYU, an Olympian, and now he is the head coach of cross-country and track and field. Ed Eyestone's on BYU Sports Nation.
I want to, you mentioned your day job. Your day job has included coaching one of the more remarkable athletes and remarkable stories in all of sports this year. Kenneth Rooks took over when he fell down in the steeplechase <laughs> and came back and won it. Like, it was an object lesson. It has become an object lesson for the rest of forever, okay? What's it like to coach him and see what he's been able to do still as a collegiate amateur athlete? Yeah. Well, yeah, that certainly went viral. And, and actually, he was a, had had an amazing year before the U.S. Nationals in which he fell, yes. got up, and then not only got himself back in the race, but won the it's race. It's just not a college race. Yeah. That's a, it's the You're, Nationals. Yeah. It's going against the best guys. It's going against the Olympic caliber people, people who have been to the Olympics. And to fall in that race, to have a three or four second disadvantage early in the race, and then the way, the smart way that he came back very patiently, then reattaching himself to the back of the pack, and then moving up, and then having a kick at the end. When you, uh, you know, because I, as I was watching it unfold, I can't say I was as optimistic as perhaps he was during the course of the event. And once he reattached himself, I said, ah, is he going to be able to have the sprint finish that, that he needs at the end? But he was able to muster that. And obviously, it went viral, and, and for reason, uh, for very good reason. And, and even his season prior to that, in winning the national championship, yes. the NCAA college championships in the the way that he did it uh, was amazing. And to have him back and make the decision to, rather than go pro immediately after that, when his stock was at an all-time high, he said, hey, coach, I want to come back. I want to run at least a cross-country season with you. And, and he, he's going to be opening up uh, next week in Wisconsin uh, with us at the Nutty Comb Invitational. We were going to ask when you were going to turn him loose, because in between all this, he took 10th in the Worlds. Yeah, he went to the World Championships. Um, and uh, in Hungary, it was an amazing, um, amazing w couple weeks there. Yep. Uh, he won his uh, prelim heat, beat the world and Olympic champion uh, <laughs> in doing so. People were going, well, bless his heart. Hopefully he can somehow qualify for the final. Not only does he qualify for the final, but he, he wins his, his heat. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, finishing 10th, particularly after going through the college season, which started a lot earlier, had a lot more races. Most of these guys were peaking specifically for the end of uh, August and to be in Budapest. He was peaking for the NCAA championships back in, in, uh, uh, in, in early June. So phenomenal year, phenomenal season. We're excited for him. We're excited for his future and his prospects, uh, hopefully in Paris. Is he enough? The team's ranked third. Oklahoma State's ranked second in right. the Big 12. Right. Is he a difference maker to move past the Sooners with his teammates or the Cowboys with his teammates? And, and, and get a national Yeah, title. well, that's an excellent question. And, and that's one of the things I told him. I said, said, Kenneth, you may come back and you may find yourself on the eighth, the eighth man on the team. But he, <laughs> I, I think he has upped his game to the point. Uh, certainly, we're going to give him every opportunity to factor in. Um, and, and I think by the end of the season, he, not only will he be our, a top seven, a top five, but I think he can contribute uh, to All-American status. If he does that, then I think we have a chance of, uh, of ended up on the podium. We're going to run the best uh, uh, seven guys that we possibly can. Uh, and if we do that, hopefully we can battle with uh, Oklahoma State, who, mm. who finished second at the national meet last year. Yeah. Uh, we ended up one spot behind him in third place. Hopefully we can beat them at the conference meet and yes. uh, go on to the national meet and do well there as well. One of the things I love most about Kenneth is he's just so understated and so <laughs> gracious yes. and, and soft-spoken and, and kind. Humble. And yes, all of those, so all of those humble. Qualities. But on the track, 
He's a monster. Yes. Yeah. He's an absolute beast on yeah. the track. Yeah. Like, I, I, I've kind of jokingly said he's Clark Kent when you just meet him, <laughs> and then he is. He puts that USA or BYU singlet on, and he is Superman. <laughs> yes. And uh, and we're gonna see some more Superman exploits from him before the season's over. I'm I sure. love that. Uh, Dave mentioned number two Oklahoma State. You want to win a Big 12 Conference Championship, but you're staring down your longtime rivals, Northern oh, North, yeah. Uh, yeah, Northern Arizona as well. Um, how do you how do you get your guys? Um, I guess to not not just embrace the rivalry, but utilize it to like fuel them in, in those types of races. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we used to focus on that a little bit more, and I think lately we've just kind of focused on ourselves. You know, running is a pretty individual sport, uh, although cross country you're individually doing it together. Uh, and uh, I think if we just focus on our own, you know, running the be very best r race that we can yeah. do and support one another in the process and this whole uh, synergy that exerts, exists as you're training throughout the course of the season and on, on race day, if you just run your best race and we do that individually, all seven of us working together, uh, then uh, things are going to turn out okay. And at the end of the day, we go, oh, yeah, uh, you know, maybe we beat NAU or we're close to NAU right. or whatever, rather than getting, you know, this really isn't hand-to-hand -hand combat that we're going against them. It's an individual sort of thing. So, uh, we're so we will certainly be aware of them. Yes. We'll be aware of the guys in the orange uh, singlets as well, Oklahoma State. Uh, but we run our own race. And at the end of the day, we're going to be just fine. Great you run stuff. it well. Yes, yes, you do. Coach, great to have you on the show. Give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the Nutty Comb Invitational. And the broadcast the teams of Virginia, weekend. the broadcast weekend, and that. the approaching championships <laughs> in the Big 12. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, guys. All right, Ed Eyestone on BYU Sports Nation. What is your biggest overreaction is our question of the day as it pertains to BYU football through five games. We want you to overreact next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Our question of the day, what's your biggest overreaction about BYU football through five games? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Brian Buss on X, BYU is going to the conference championship game, baby. <laughs> Brian, have an awesome day. That would qualify, yes, as an overreaction. <laughs> Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. But to Drake Toll. Nice guy. Yes, gave a nice shout out on his YouTube channel. Yes, he did. Big 12 podcast to BYU. Our thanks to today's guests, Ross Oppo and Ed Eyestone. Conversation continues 24-7 all over social media. For Dave, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Josh Rohatinsky. We'll see you tomorrow in Studio B. Go Cougs.